0: Welcome back to the 1010 Project Podcast. We know it's been a few minutes, guys, but we told you we're not going to do this on the regular. We're going to do it when we have good content, right, Josh? Yep, that's right. So Josh Turner here, Tyler Reagan. We're glad to sit down with you again for another episode. And this is a special one. Josh, tell them why you think this is special.
1: I think it's a special one because we're talking to one of our probably our main partners and really what we feel like is the linchpin of what we offer with 1010 and really not just for 1010, but what so many people need in their life. We're having a conversation, or you had a conversation with Miles Adcox from Onsite. Yep. So yep.
0: Miles owns it. Um, we we actually get into how all that came about. Yeah. He was actually in the sports industry, which is fascinating. Uh, but Miles has been a longtime friend, and what I love about this conversation, you don't have to be a pastor for this to make sense. Like he talks about all of us, all of humanity. He he always he loves to talk about human school and and things like that. Like, what does it mean to be a good human? Well, that's why he believes in, in therapy and help you know, mental and emotional wellness is a big deal. So, um, and it, what's fun about it, Josh, is we just had our second yeah, group of guys go through onsite. Guys. Yeah, yeah. I
1: actually talked to one of them today and he said, I was telling another guy this morning, I said, he actually said, Besides the birth of his children, it's one of the greatest experiences of his life. And I was like, that's a heck of an endorsement right it, there. You know what I mean? Like, besides your children's birth. And so... It's a marriage.
0: None of that. None I mean, of that. Just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just children's birth.
1: So, Georgia losing again in yeah. Alabama. Oh, my gosh. It's I don't want to talk about it. It's it heartbreaking. Is. People I was are like, ugly. yeah,
0: but the, the Braves won the World Series. Listen, you have to understand something. I would give that up 10 out of 10 times for the dogs to win the national championship which they're still in the hunt for Josh. okay so yeah they sure. are
1: they are but they're probably so, going to have to so play all that so you're Seminoles don't bring them up <laughs> please pray for FSU if you're listening to this podcast just our football team
0: uh, hey you know this is all community for us but uh, Josh tell us a little bit about what's going on in your back these days bro
1: yeah so um, I've had to cancel some trips kind of been laid up uh, started having back pain on our last trip we were in Montana thought I just pulled a every, muscle basically every trip we've
0: been on I've Utah, had back pain
1: <laughs> Yeah. Well, now it makes sense. So we went, I had some MRIs done, some x rays, and apparently I've got three pretty massive things going on in my back. I have a herniated disc, arthritis at 40. So I got that going for me arthritis and baldness. I and, can't uh, hear out of an ear, so it works out at 45. Yeah. So uh, serve Jesus, kids. You can walk through <laughs> suffering. Uh, and then, but their main concern is I have a vertebrae that is almost 50% out of place. And so, yeah, I meet with two surgeons this month uh, of December and, uh, hopefully, you know, God, God still heals. Uh, sometimes he heals through doctors. Sometimes it's through miracles. And so just trusting whatever, you know, he decides and kind of going through the steps to get this thing taken care of. had four epidurals, oh. uh, in the month of November. And, uh, for all you ladies out there that have had epidurals, uh, giving birth, uh, thank you for going through that, uh, to bring Crazy. children into this world because it is super painful. Crazy. Yeah.
0: So if you guys have been listening you've been following along, just pray for Josh, uh, and the doctors as they continue to try to figure this out. Cause, I was talking, texting with you this week. Like, yeah, we got to get you back to yeah. at least ninety percent. Ninety is good. Yeah, <laughs> somewhere yeah. where you 90%. can do this for the long yeah.
1: haul. Where I don't groan like a seventy-five year old man right. when I stand up every right. time. That's the goal. Uh,
0: another cool update too is we we're pretty getting pretty close to filling up our our. our February snowmobiling trips. If you're still interested in in either a February trip, uh, our pastor's trip is pretty much full. Yep. But if you are a pastor or even a Christian business leader and you're interested in starting with us in, in say, February, please make sure you contact us, josh, at 1010project.com. Yes, sir. Uh, you can go through the website, too, and get to us. Um, but we've got a trip. Lock, uh, we've got two also, in, one in end of May and one at the beginning of June. Yep both UTV trips that have some some availability. Yeah,
1: right one of them's through the Grand Canyon, and one of them is from Bryce Canyon to Zion
0: National terrible, Park. Terrible, terrible spots. We're going to yeah. take you to the middle of nowhere, and it's absolutely gorgeous. With
1: a private chef that follows us in a truck <laughs> and cooks in
0: the woods it's for me. us. It's me. I'm cooking you. Yeah if, yeah, if I get to cook it, it's going to be fantastic. Yeah. Cheerios, yeah. and then we're going to yeah. have some chicken nuggets that we exactly. uh, put up on the old, the old grill. So anyway... Uh, awesome conversation today with Miles, and here's my encouragement to you guys uh, as we do this. This is a conversation for all of us. Yeah. This is not just for people that are struggling right now. This is uh, Miles. And I actually talked about this, like the idea of what if you go into your therapist for the first time, and go, I'm actually doing great. Yeah, but I want to figure out why I'm doing great. <laughs> like, yeah, it's 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 understanding our mental and emotional wellness. And I love you'll hear Miles talk about. He thinks this is connected to soul care, and yeah. so. For all of us as believers, all of us as, as leaders, we have to have those connections and understanding to be able to lead people really well. So uh, without you know a whole lot of fanfare and a whole lot of music or anything yep. like that, here's our boy, Miles Adcox, who has jumped in with us from day one at OnSite. And uh, here's our conversation with Miles Adcox from OnSite. <laughs> Well, welcome back to the 1010 Project Podcast. I'm Tyler Reagan. I'm, I'm uh, the privileged one to get to interview uh, a legend in my own mind and a legend maybe in his own mind. I doubt it. You're wow. too humble. Uh, but Miles Adcox, owner and you know, not, not the founder, but kind of principal owner of Onsite and Nashville. And uh, honestly, Miles, I've been thinking, I was thinking about this before the, the recording, how long we've been friends now. It's been a good six or seven years. And mm. you know how you have certain friends that you can't think about to life without those friends in your world? Uh, you've become one of those for me. And so super excited that you said yes to be a part of the 1010 project podcast today.
2: I'm uh, glad to be here. Love talking to you always, I'm excited about what you guys are doing with 1010. So it should be a fun conversation.
0: What's really fun is we literally are off the heels of uh eight pastors being at on-site at the Oaks in California just last week. So uh I got plenty of zingers for you, Miles. I got Miles, I've got stuff to, to talk to you about. But I want to I want to back up a here. For those of you who don't know Miles, um I met we met at um Bob's place, Bob golf's place up in, in British Columbia uh six or seven years ago. And watching you walk us through some experience experience based um just kind of concepts or thinking. Uh loving counseling and coaching. Like I do, I was like, I love this guy. And, and on top of that, your heart for people and the way you love people is, is exceptional. Thanks. Talk a little bit miles about how you kind of fell into, came a part of stepped into the mental and emotional health space.
2: Sure. Well, it was one of those things that I'd like to say, I I sought it out and, um, and chose the profession. But in a sense, I'd say the profession chose me. And uh, I uh, didn't ever intended to do what I was doing. If you would ask me as a kid growing up, there's no way I could have uh, picked that I would be in the human service business, but much less in the mental wellness side of that. But, you know, I I grew up a small town in Tennessee. And, you know, to to get really noticed and accepted uh, in the part of the world I was in, uh, sports were a big deal. So you needed to play sports and being an outdoorsman and those were kind of the manly things to do at that time and and I did both and and I and I had you know, was fortunate to succeed in in those and and loved them and they shaped a lot of my character and who I am so I don't discount that time of my life but I didn't get exposed to a lot of other avenues around creativity and some other things I'm a part of now and what I recognized was uh, I kind of morphed into, from an early age, uh, becoming what I felt like I needed to become in order to be approved by other people. And I won't get too far into my origin story, but I, I understand real clearly where that imprint came from. You know, great. I came from a wonderful family. And yeah. we had a, a, did a lot of things well. And then there were some things that were generational that we certainly could improve on and we have improved on. But uh, some of those left some indelible marks on me that programmed me in a way to look outside of me to get a measurement of my worth and value, yeah. and uh, that 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 uh, is interesting because it can kind of uh, do two things for you. One, it can push you towards success and acceptability, and it did that for me. I was a Popular and the president of my class, and you know, Mr. LCHS, and succeeded in athletics and all that stuff. But there was this little part of me that was getting lonelier and lonelier and a bit more stressed on the inside. And the last thing I ever felt like I could ever do was tell anybody about it or show anybody that. Well, um, that followed me up into my early 20s. I pushed all the way through grad school and continued to pursue what uh, I could get external validation for. And one of those things was, Uh, you know, sports, sports. And so I I went to work in the sports industry. And I never really asked myself, is it what I wanted to do? It's just what I knew I would get a lot of validation for. And, you know, looking back, it's ironic now that I I have, I'm at the intersection of mental health in sports and music and film. And so I'm kind of full circle back into it. But it was around my early 20s, uh, Tyler, that I was uh, in a a great career, Um, honestly, had outkicked my coverage to get a position that I had in in the sports world. And I learned a lot. But uh, that little small part of me that uh, didn't feel connected to who I was continued to grow. And it finally got to a point where it got big enough, it caught up with me. I had a little bit of a crash, I dealt with some depression and some anxiety, didn't have didn't know what to call them, I learned later what to call them. Long story uh, short, I, I, you know, I, I got myself into um, some some counseling resources, and the right people came around me at the right time. It didn't happen that seamlessly or easy. There was a whole story there too, <laughs> but I got there. And, and whenever I had that moment of the lights coming on for me, I just, I just absolutely fell in love uh, with the um, idea that more and more people could ac- have access to feeling anchored yep. in their worth in value. And I realized I wouldn't alone there. A lot of the guys I grew up with felt the same way. And so I just kind of got on fire about um, helping try to evolve and create innovative solutions to create a more connected world and humanity. And so I got into, I, I completely shifted gears, got out of my career and got into the uh, mental health space, started doing crisis interventions initially, Yeah. worked my way into running residential treatment, and then ultimately over to, uh, to onsite. And it's just, yeah. and you know, I tell you to, when you, when you find your fit and what you're supposed yeah. to be doing, uh, you kind of get filled up every day by it. And that's where I am.
0: Yeah. I'm not sure I've ever met somebody who uh, has such a, a, your wire. I mean, you know, it's, it's what I wrote about in life giving leader, leading from your truest self, watching you when you do you at on site and in this space and knowing you as well, you know, quite often we can know people and then what they do is a little bit maybe to the right or the left or they're good at it, but. It is so aligned with your wiring, with your personality, the hard work, the heavy lifting you've done on your self-awareness, your emotional intelligence, all, all those elements, Miles, is unbelievable. And I, I actually remember back to when I had my uh, friend Lamatina, who was an executive coach for me, a leadership coach, and she was coaching my team. And I had that same moment where I was like, I think I want to do that. like. I can do that. Like I love this mm-hmm. stuff. Like it just that light bulb goes on. And you know, 15 years later, 16, whatever, I'm doing it full time and, and and working with leaders full time. And I love it. And and building out to the best of my ability with with God's grace and the people around us with the resources around us, really well-rounded, healthy. Leaders is 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 part of that goal. So what about so there's a million ways to do this, right, Miles? There's a, there's a ton of different versions of counseling and mental and emotional wellness, and uh, but but on site drew you in partly because it's Middle Tennessee and you love Middle Tennessee. But what what about on site drew you there originally?
2: Sure. Yeah. Well. It wasn't necessarily on-site that got me there. I was, um, running a residential uh, treatment program at the time for young adults that were struggling with addictions and eating disorders and trauma. And, you know, I I learned a lot from working in the, I guess you'd call it the crisis space because we were in primary care. And so this is when people would come to us when the, you know, life was really in a stuck part and the wheels were falling off for them and they would come and, uh, we would support them in, uh, you know, getting their feet back on the ground, getting them stable, getting them some good resources, hopefully unpacking some parts of their story that didn't belong to them that maybe got them there and then do the best we could in in a 30-day period to get them back on their feet and integrated and back into life. And we had some success, but, and, and I was proud of the success we were having, but when I was leading that organization, I was more curious about uh, the, the, the shortfall that we had in our results. And I wasn't scared to ask questions about it because I didn't have anything to lose at the time. It wasn't my company, but I would literally go to these, you know, mainstream psychology events and, and, and got an opportunity to start talking to a few people. And I wouldn't get up and tout about our results. I'd get up and say, Hey, we got a long way to go. Cause I I think there's certain people that we do well with. There's a whole lot of people that uh, go back out and relapse into the behavior. And I want to know why I really want to understand why. And that led me down the path of, of uh, emotional and psychological trauma. And and I, and I hesitate to even position it that way because your average leader out there that might be listening to that, they might have just completely tuned out when they heard the word trauma. But just you know, erase that and put stress in, stress and adversity, because ultimately... Yeah. You know, you've had me speak to some of your groups in the past that you've represented, and if I if I go into a room full of people like that, and I, it can be a hundred or it can be ten thousand, and I can say, "Hey, you know, raise your hand if you've experienced some type of trauma, emotional trauma," you know, everybody's sure. going to kind of look look to the to the right and left and see who else is willing. <laughs> but if but if I switch that out and I say, "How many of you are impacted uh, or have experienced stress?" and a hundred hundred percent of the hands always go up and ultimately what trauma is is compound stress it's when stress yeah. compounds in our system and it doesn't have anywhere to go and it manifests into a traumatic event on our nervous system and everybody if if you explain it that way most everybody experiences it so when we were doing when i was doing this addiction work i got real curious about how do we treat that if that is one of the primary symptoms that Manifest into stuck and resistant to change behavior, i.e., addictions and other things. Yeah. Then why aren't we treating it? We're treating the symptoms and trying to get people sober without getting to the cause of what they're actually medicating with to begin with. So, mm. through that, um, I got wildly curious about not just people who uh, had, and we started treating trauma, by the way, and our results changed, our outcomes yeah. got better. And uh, it was amazing to watch. But then I started asking the question, well, why is it that? the only people that have access to resolving stuck parts of their story are people who have a crisis in their life and they're lucky enough to have the resources to get the right people around them. That's backwards. I mean, Mm -hmm. everybody should have the opportunity to look at and resolve the adversity they experience in life. If not, it's going to end up, uh, you know, coming out sideways. So I got really curious about trying to figure out what kind of resource uh, could we make that would be viable. If I could send the whole world through rehab, I could, because when I, I I never looked at treatment or rehab, like rehab, I looked at it like human school. It's like, you know, let's go somewhere and learn to be a better human being. They don't teach that in traditional education. So I wondered what format would work for that because I knew there's no way you're getting busy people to go somewhere for 30 days. I wish we could, but there's no way to do that. So I started thinking and put a business plan together originally, Tyler, to do seminars. I thought, well, let's just take the best of this content, emotional intelligence, emotional health content. Let's package it in a short term way and do like a seminar type event. (laughs) But there was something magical about getting people out of their environment and detoxing them from technology and the stressors that are in their life. And so I thought, really, that's the key is how do you get them in a psychologically safe environment, disconnected from where they are, give them the opportunity to safely explore what might be holding them back. How can you do that with the normal person? I thought, well, it's got to be shorter. So I honestly, I set out to start looking for a retreat center. Yeah. I, wanted a, I wanted a place where I could bring people for a few days to do some work. Well, that led me to what was happening at the time at a place called On-Site Workshops Training and Consulting. And um, I knew about them, but I didn't know a lot about them. They were a small organization that um, had a good reputation, but uh, I, I ended up, um, uh, long story short, but I had a, a mentor who was advising me in the space um, who was a partner in this business. And he said, hey, what you're looking for? Cause I sent him my business plan. He said, what yeah. you're looking for. Um, I believe, uh, this place called onsite workshops already does a lot of, and they have a retreat space and they're looking for a succession. Could I make an introduction? And I was like, absolutely. And so, um, <laughs> they made an introduction myself and my, the previous owners and I, um, courted one another for about a year before we decided it was going to be a good fit. And at the time, you know, the, the business was, was, struggling a little bit and then of yeah. course I bought it at the worst time ever because it was 2007 and then 2008 yeah. <laughs> hit and I was like oh um
0: but, those but aren't you ones, glad you did now? <laughs> yeah, I mean,
2: all those lean years from set, yeah, and I wouldn't have been able to buy it otherwise had, right. it, had it been just doing really well. But, um, but I say financially, but uh, outside of that, it had some great history and a yeah, great yeah. origin story that predated even the owners before them. It goes way back. And they've been doing great work for a long time. And I realized this place is more than uh, what I thought it might be. So there's yeah. a legacy I can build on and add some of the stuff I'm dreaming about. And that's kind of what it's become.
0: I love that, Miles. And, um, you're, you know, even as we started 1010 project, one of the keys for us is we had Josh and I both had experienced all these different fourth, five day retreats where we get out and fish in Montana. You and I've done that multiple yeah. times together. And, and we watch people, you're exactly right. They feel safe, maybe for the first time in a long time, even if it's for a 30 minute window around the fire pit. But it's getting out of their comforts, out of their space, their normal, like doing that in a ballroom at a hotel doesn't have the same impact as a really world-class experience or something, even this maybe not world-class, but that is uh comfortable, that is fun, that is is inviting and safe. And uh, that, you know, when I went through Living Centered program at OnSite back in 2018, watching that experience unfold for seven days with me, literally yesterday, I texted one of the guys uh, who's in my group, you know, in 2018, and he, we still have stayed super close and we could not be more different in our worlds and what we do, like a little bit of everything. And I think it's because we were in a safe space to process all this. So part of that miles. And, and again, for some of these people that are listening, this is new context, new, new language for them, but psychodrama experiential therapy is foundational to what onsite is all about and i'm telling you miles the number of pastors and leaders when i try to explain to them what we do literally look at me like i'm a crazy person and i'm like no yeah we're going to do some role play what role play that's not real you know we're going to do some of these things but literally last week watching these guys who would have said the same thing prior to going through it and now coming out the other end going this this changed my life by getting to experience some of that can you just kind of give us a just a real broad stroke picture of why this type of therapy is center is a centerpiece to onsite?
2: Sure, yeah, and we use um, a, a modality that we're kind of known for, and and honestly, we use just about any modality that is both evidence based and uh, experience based that we found mm-hmm. effective, as long as it's you know responsible and. Um, and safe, uh, we we use it as it relates to change technology. So it's not just experiential that we use, but we're widely known for being uh, the folks that um, lean heavy on our expertise around an umbrella of change technology called uh, experiential. And yeah. we use it in education and we use it in. I mean, in, you
0: said it way better than I did, Miles, but okay, you do it, you do this for a living. So, you know, there in, you go.
2: In counseling and therapy. That's all right. In counseling <laughs> in, uh, therapy. and therapy. And ultimately, what it is, it's just an action oriented uh, model. It's a way to take words and put them into action. And, and why would we do that? Well, When I say something to you, um, it activates a third of your brain. If I put it in a picture, an image, it activates two thirds. If we make it kinesthetic and put it into action, it activates all of it. And so ultimately we're engaging more parts of your your brain, especially the parts of your brain that hold stuck uh, patterns, we're activating that and getting your limbic involved so that we can get to the root of where certain behavior modification may be optimal and give you an opportunity to see it, feel it, sense it versus just hear about it. Cause I don't know about you, but I did counseling forever where it's what you see on TV or you may experience. It's just, you know, I'm sitting across from somebody and talking and processing and, and and I, I got to say I'm not picking on any modality. It's really valuable. You know, CBT is probably sure. the most researched model out there, and it's really effective. Um, it's a great thing. But but experiential for me, um, it it's it's laser focused. It can it can move fast, which that's why you have to have a lot of expertise and experience to do mm-hmm. it, so that you don't do any harm. It can move fast and it covers a lot of ground quickly. And it's basically if you're going to share a part of your story as the guide, I want to find a creative way to show you that because I know you'll remember elements of it if you see it versus hear it. And, you know, the same it's when you've had me talk at some events, I'll always try to put an element or two of an experience, uh, where I want to show someone something to illustrate a point. And I'm not, you know, you've, you've been around and worked with, um, much more accomplished and great orators and speakers and pastors like the Andy Stanley's of the world. And they do the same thing. You know, they'll, they may not know the science behind it. They probably do because they're smart guys, but they'll bring, (laughs) they'll bring in elements no different than, you know, if I were trying to convince a jury of something uh, you, you you know, I'm not just going to tell them uh, the story of like, this was the weapon that was used in the crime. I'm going to, I'm going to show it to them. I'm going to bring it in. Or if I was a doctor and I was going to, try to explain something about how your spine your l5 is off i'm not going to tell you that i'm going to pick that the skeleton up off the counter and point to it because i know it's the only way you retain it we basically do that with therapy
0: i love it miles it's um and again i i would have never you don't think about it that way like um one of the things that mary b who's uh been my my therapist now twice as i've gone through it and she's a ninja and kick some butt in that guide space. But, you know, she talked about how our brains actually can heal, but there's no time stamp on that. Like, in other words, like when we're doing this therapy and having a conversation with say your dad in this experiential experience, even though it's not really your dad, your brain doesn't know that, right? It, it, it creates recovery and healing and you walk out feeling like, wow, did I just do some work that actually might help me overcome this obstacle. It's, it's maybe one of the most fascinating types of, of, of work that I've done in, in my career. And you know, what's amazing miles when God started stirring Josh and I to this ten ten 10 thing and going, we, we keep losing our pastor friends to suicide, to addiction, to you name the thing. You were my first call. Like,
2: yeah, I remember that call.
0: And I remember we had just lost a close friend of ours yep. and And I I even it took me back to a conversation I had with you after I went through on site the first time where I called you. I think it was probably on the way home in tears because I've been crying for probably seven straight days. And I just said, Miles, there's what you do is phenomenal. If there was a way to even create a, a, a faith based version where we could have worship or prayer outside of the process time or whatever that looks like. So that's where I came back to going. What if we created a space like this specifically for pastors? Let onsite do what onsite's best at, which is the process and the counseling and the therapy. You are the best in the world, Miles. There's nobody I refer to other people. Like I just, I just oh, refer them to you. Oh, That's what I do. Thank you. And but with the faith element, because it's a little, it's not tricky for us. I know it can can be tricky in the in the counseling space sometimes how you in, integrate that, but. you, Having leaders break through this concept of faith and counseling, faith and therapy for years, even miles that the church, there's certain parts of the church that goes, you can't do it. You don't have enough faith. You know, what I mean, you got to You got to just break through this yourself. How would you see counseling and even medication and therapy being a partner of faith instead of fighting against faith? Because I know you've probably heard this a million times. You've had to walk through this a million times.
2: Yeah. It's a great question. And I, you know, I think uh, I spent years trying to figure out how to bridge um, an intersection between the faith communities and the mainstream uh, mental health and psychology, because I grew up in in faith, you know, I I grew up in the church and, and then I, I went away from it for a while and found myself in mainstream psychology. And I understood that there were elements of counseling that were uh, biblical and Christian-based, faith-based counseling, and, and there was a very distinct line between the faith-based circles and the uh, mm-hmm. uh, secular uh, circles, and I always wondered why, because it I felt like there was such good information in both that if we would just share our playbook with each other, there was way more people than anybody could serve, and we shouldn't feel threatened because one group uses this uh, framework and, and this group uses the other ones, how could we benefit each other? And so I have, uh, and, and thanks to guys like you who, who, uh, have been in the faith world and, and other friends of ours who, you know, that had invited me in and ushered me in and put me on stages when I felt way unqualified. I was like, are you yeah. sure you want me to talk into this group? <laughs> um, but, uh, it, it really opened my eyes to, uh, what I believe now, which is, I, I think there is spiritual health and I think there's emotional health and I think they're the same. Yeah, I think I think we put them in two different camps, no different than we put leaders and humans in two different camps. Yeah. And it's a setup from the word go. Uh, We don't we treat a a leader as superhuman and that's and we create a a dilemma that that's why we see most leaders fall. I think the same thing relates to uh, our spiritual and emotional health. We put them in separate camps and a lot of people think if we pursue spiritual health, then all the emotional stuff will just follow along. And actually, I believe it's pretty clear, and not to get you know too in in either lane, because I'm not uh, I'm an expert, in one wouldn't claim to be an expert in other, but I certainly am studied, in that um, I think there's scripture that supports it, um, yeah. and I think uh, psychology, what we've learned about human behavior and change, it really supports a lot of Jesus's teachings as well. And I, yeah. I really believe those two integrated could accomplish what the church may be missing a little bit now, which is why we're not uh, reaching a lot of people, uh, you know, younger people, or i say we're losing a lot of people. And part of it is because I think we're not meeting culture where it is. We're just sitting back, waiting on culture to come to us. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it it makes a lot of sense. And watching a group of pastors, you know, even in my group, there were four guys, I think in their fifties been pastoring a long time and just watching them. I, I saw scripture, integrated into counseling and conversation more in that 4 days together than i've seen on a sunday morning in 30 minutes year after year after year if that makes sense like there there is uh it's almost like it's where the rubber hits the road like like when i do leadership stuff and i talk about what we say on sunday Loses power if you're not that same person, if you're not letting that integrate into your life Monday through Friday, right? If you're if you're a pastor and you have an incredible message, but everybody's going, Well, that's great, but you don't do it. <laughs> like it's a disconnect, Miles. And 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 quite often that's what we do with these spaces. You're exactly right. Our soul care cannot be disconnected from our emotional care. It cannot be disconnected from our uh our mental care, right? Like our soul is not going to be okay if those things aren't okay. And vice versa, like what I loved. I remember at onsite in 2018, you're it's it's hey we're gonna and it was in part all the all the teachings we're gonna talk about physical and emotional and mental wellness, but also spiritual wellness. And if you're not a spiritual person, or you are, whatever your higher power is, or what you know, I remember that conversation. And then I remember sitting in my group time, there were you know, and, and again, from my faith world, there were Holy Spirit moments that nobody had to stand up and go, did you see what the Holy Spirit just did? Like, it just did it, right? God just worked or he just moved. And um, I don't know, I just, I, I can't emphasize this enough. And I think this is why this had to be an anchor piece for this year long process we're taking pastors and leaders through is When you do some heavy lifting on your soul and your care with a group of people who you're doing community with, it's hard to believe that you're not going to walk out of that room with a couple people arm in arm going, I got your back. I'm in this with you because I've heard all of that. The community aspect that's built. I mean, talk about that. Is it one of the most uh, special things that you see happen coming out of those experiences?
2: Absolutely. and, and, I think that's one of the things that's unique and special about what you guys are creating and what we've collaborated on. And and I've done quite a bit of this, as you know, in the, um, with our kind of entertainment division with, uh, music and film where I'll, we'll bring in, uh, people who know one another, work around one another, have a lot of duality in their world, uh, and, and, and take them through an immersive intensive experience. And, what happens on the back end is, uh, and, and a lot of times you would think, there's no way I would go in there with someone I know, a colleague, and and reveal uh, stuck or challenging parts of my story and get vulnerable by areas that are maybe a shadow part. And and of course, it's our job to 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 recognize that. Well, if you don't if you don't feel safe to do it, you don't have to. You can still come we're never going to uh, push you uh, where we think you need to go. We're just here to join you and create an environment, an ecosystem. The ideally would be inviting you into feeling safe to do that. And uh, as you know, most of the time it does happen And in every week, you know, we've got, we've got, we'll have pastors come into our normal programming and, and they'll be in a group alongside, uh, you know, uh, non-believers and secular. It's just a beautiful moment there too, because often, uh, believers and Christians don't know how to talk to non-believers, and and, <laughs> right. and, and vice versa, because there's this inside speak, and right, we're right. we're even using some of it on this call. But you know, most of our uh, listeners will be will probably yeah. be believers, which is is okay. I think sometimes that speak is a good bridge. Other times it can be an obstacle uh, to right. people who you'd love to to talk to and minister to. But uh, I think it works well with people that don't know each other. But it also uh, when you take people that loosely know one another but they share a common uh, thread yeah. a passion then i'm i'm very interested in what you got what we do with the week that we work with you i'm really keenly interested in what you do in the year-long process but what you and i are both invested in is what happens after that right and and that's the whole point of why we do it and, and i think what we're doing is creating undeniable bonds so that these guys can see each other deeper than they've ever been seen Yep. And by the way, they, they, they have influence in a public profession, which comes with these abnormal life circumstances, which we know abnormal life circumstances create high levels of stress. Right. We also know that underdressed stress creates loneliness, anxiety, burnout, disengagement, and, and all of which kills connection and creativity, which is what yeah. got them to the dance to begin with. Amazing. And the, that's the dilemma. And I think what we're trying to do, uh, is take that obstacle and turn it into an opportunity and say, so you can, you can do this differently. We can create sustainability to where you don't have to sacrifice your life in order to go, uh, you know, do your job. Well,
0: yeah. A couple last quick questions, miles. One of uh, the key, one of your top clinicians who did some of our group, uh, teaching who was with us the first time he talked about, he he said this thing, and it was so aligned with what we're feeling and sensing, especially in our, like you said, in our unique circumstance as faith leaders, that he thinks one of the greatest crisis coming to the world, health crisis coming to the world in the next 18 months is a lack of friendship, just a, a lack of connection. Um, and he was just talking personally about it. It wasn't part of the teaching. It was just, you know, uh, it's just almost like a, I just, I see it day in and day out. What other trends, is that a trend you're seeing? What's one or two trends that you're going, man, we're seeing this a lot and we need to be paying attention to this.
2: Sure. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of statistics uh, that um, are mental health related that are escalated and higher than we've ever seen them with the origin, we believe being loneliness and isolation. Yeah. And it's it, uh, it has a dramatic or uh, dramatic impact. <laughs> Drastic, dramatic.
0: Yeah. Uh, I know. I always put words together. It's fantastic.
2: Yeah. It's got, it has a, a really tough impact on, on, uh, on anybody. Another right. trend we're seeing is I think we're in a leadership crisis. Yeah. You know, I think right now we've got the, what everybody's calling the, the great resignation, uh, mm-hmm. where everybody's leaving their work and, and we're, uh, we're trying to tie all these reasons and meaning behind it. But ultimately the leadership crisis is we've never had more disengaged employees. We've never had more burnout, which means we've never had more firm turnover and people aren't, you know, divorcing their work. They're not leaving work. They're leaving leaders. Yeah, And I believe they're leaving leaders because leaders aren't connected to the humanity of who they are, and they can't transmit that uh, because they have been positioned, we all have been positioned to be superhuman in the leadership role. And I think we're having this great reckoning or reset where we do have a good opportunity, I believe, to come out of it better than we came into it. But it's going to require, I think, a lot of work uh, for yeah. leaders in order to be able to fully transparently connect to the people that they influence.
0: So powerful. It's it seems like we need leadership coaches, Miles. That seems like a good uh <laughs> field to be in. Uh, but you're you're exactly right. I remember there was an Ink magazine article a few years ago. I know that said a guy, 60- I know
2: a guy that's written some books about leadership.
0: I know a guy, but there's at the, the article said 65% of people would take a new boss over a pay increase. This was five years ago imagine that now right imagine those numbers now uh because people are recognizing life isn't just about the the financial gain that that it, it's about all of it it's about how does my work give me the freedom to be who i want to be at home how does these you know where does the margin and the health come from and uh it's it's fascinating so along those lines what what would you say to a young leader in their 20s uh and, and in our world again most of our listeners are probably in ministry or, or you know, Christian-based. What would you say to even a young pastor, maybe in their twenties, who's feeling called to do this for the long haul? Specifically about the importance of soul and self-care when it comes to what we've been talking about today.
2: You, you are more than your profession. We just start there and say there is, uh, there will be times that if you are good at what you do and passionate about what you do, you will become what you do. And that's okay. That's happened to me. The important thing is that there is some self-awareness on board. And one of the things that traditional leadership will try to teach you consciously or unconsciously is that limited access to your emotions is a strength. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I'd love for you to unlearn is not just to give you access to your emotions but to give you a fast track to your emotions because when we are able to access what we're feeling when we're feeling it it lowers our ambient stress it gets us reconnected and it reminds us that we're human beings we may be called to deliver this great thing that is our profession in this case you know being a pastor But it's okay when you get wrapped around the axle, you get so caught up in your profession that you lose who you are. That's, that's going to happen. I want to be realistic about it. What's important is that you catch it before you get to a crisis point. You're able to take a step back, reset your reality, have a safe person you can connect with and say, man, um, I get so passionate about what I do. Sometimes I just forget who I am. And that makes me very distant when I go home. And, you know, if you've been in our role, then you do get a whole bunch of guys like you and I, that go me too. And that's what those guys need more than anything. Those young guys is another leader like us saying, me too, so that they feel yeah. a little bit less alone in their journey.
0: Yeah, that's really powerful. All right. Last thing, if if someone wants to, is they've been listening and they're like, okay, I need to do something in my own mental and emotional wellness. I need to take a step. And what what is your advice to someone of like, what a good next step is just to go, I want to start a process of of getting connected to my emotions, of working through this. What What would you recommend?
2: Well, even if you've got the, the means and, and the resources to pursue, uh, you know, counseling, I'm, I'm a big proponent of it, a uh, big advocate of it, because I, I just think, I, I wish it was, uh, normalized or humanized in a way that we saw it more than just here's where you go when you're stuck, when you struggling. have a problem, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's not what's wrong with you, uh, that you'd pursue a better version of yourself. That's what's right with you. And, uh, I would, uh, encourage you, If you can do that, I would encourage you to do that. And I would encourage you to do it in a season of life. I mean, if you're listening to this and you're really struggling, go for it. If you're listening to this and things couldn't be better, right? set, set, a, <laughs> set an appointment. It, it may even throw your counselor a lo- off a little bit because a lot of counselors aren't used to saying, Hey, right. life's pretty good, but I want to, I want to understand myself more. I'd like to raise my emotional intelligence. Yeah, um, That's one way to do it. But if you don't have resources and, and the ability to do that, or time or or, or money, then uh, if you could find another person, one other person, and you may have to educate them a little bit on uh, your needs here, and you may not even know your needs. But ultimately, what I'm I'm saying is, you need a conversation where somebody can listen to you, and put empathy over advice. Hmm. Most of us uh, that are trained problem solvers, leaders, then we are uh, here to give you a quick solution to eliminate your worry. And what most of us need more than anything is somebody to hold us and join us in the worry. If somebody can stand with us in uh, contemplation and ambiguity, uh, it sets a part of our soul free. That's undeniable. And you know, I work in the counseling profession, and and I don't want to discount the expertise and training of our field. It's highly specialized, and there's certain things that you know people shouldn't do outside of uh, if you hadn't had the training. But I really hope what we're trying to do is send a message to humanity to say, this can happen in your boardrooms, in your living rooms, in your marriages. You can have vulnerable, safe conversations and don't expect, you know, have, have reasonable expectations. Because usually if you're, if you're a significant other, or your spouse comes to you with a problem, you're going to want to solve it. And they don't ever want you to solve it. They just want you to hear them and listen to them. So
0: Wait, what? They don't? No. Yeah, come at 20 years into this thing. Thank you for that advice. That's worth this whole podcast. I tell
2: myself that every day (laughs) because I go back down to the house and do the same thing. But but it's okay to do it as long as you also catch it and you're able to listen, hold space. So uh, that was a long way for me to say, find another person who you feel like could listen to you versus try to change you. And in that alone will raise your emotional wellness and intelligence.
0: Gosh, that's so powerful and so important. And, um, you know, again, I know if if people want to keep up with you, Miles, and connect with onsite, if that's something that might make sense, uh, onsiteworkshop.com is probably still the best place for that, I assume. What about keeping up with you?
2: i'm on i'm pretty active on socials instagram is where i spend most of my time uh and I'm, i've been doing a lot of writing there i'm working on a book but i've been testing out some things uh on instagram it's a fun little place to go you know write a, yeah. you know, a couple hundred words here and there so i'm at miles at cox and then on site is at on site workshops and you can you can find both of us there
0: yeah well uh i anytime i get a chance to say this publicly you've made a massive impact in my life and um it's been a fun journey to go, hey, I'm going to lock arms with you because I do have a connection to a space that I think needs what on-site offers. And at any turn, we're going to, I know even outside of just our regular process, we've been encouraging and sending leaders day in and day out to try to get a chance to just get above some of this. And I love what you said. One of the guys that went last week who was in a, in a pretty rough spot, he said, it's prehab. Like, and and that's our heartbeat miles is that we're preventative in nature. Like we're, we're not necessarily trying to get guys and girls who have gone off the rails. Like there's a place for that and there's a need to serve that space. But what we're trying to do is go, Hey, our goal is to get you okay and stay okay. Like we want you to be healthy, preventative in nature because the, the cost of collateral damage, when we lose a faith leader to a moral failure to you name the situation is so significant. And the percentage of that versus actually taking care of yourself today is so much smaller financially. And so it's just worth it at the end of the day. So I just want to say thank you for partnering and stepping up with us from day one and trying to serve a community that we know on the tails of burnout from COVID on the you know, I mean, there's a lot coming down the pipe and we want to help try to serve that well and you guys have been some of the best people in the world to say yes with us so i love you buddy thanks for saying yes and being a part of this
2: and thanks pal i appreciate you thanks for all those kind words and it's a great conversation appreciate you having me
0: Awesome. Thank you, Miles. And again, if you want to keep up with Miles, you can follow him on social media at Miles Adcox. And you can go to onsiteworkshops.com to find out more about Onsite. If you do, for some reason, connect and you decide to go, if you let them know, we have a rate code. It's not a discount, but it keeps uh, track of how many people we refer to Onsite. And you can just tell them that you are part of 1010 Project. And they would... uh, they would help make sure you get in and do the things that would be helpful for you. And again, it's amazing when people come around a vision or a mission and support like this. And we're super, super thankful to miles for that. Hey, a couple real quick wrapping up announcements. As you know, end of year giving is a big part of nonprofit world. And, um, there's two different specific uh, spaces If we've mentioned help one now, who's been a partner for us from day one, they're continuing to serve uh, children in poverty, uh, serve families in poverty across the globe. And again, if you would be interested in giving and supporting what they do, please go to helpwonnow.org and find out more and ways you can support them. And then if if 1010 is something that's mattered to you, if you want to support the podcast, which comes through our nonprofit, if you want to support uh, leaders to go on this, if you want to be a part, you can go to 1010 Project, the number 10, the word 10 project.com. Uh, there's a donate button up top if you want to do end of year giving to support the mission and the vision of what we're doing here with 1010 project that would be amazing Uh, but we're just grateful for you grateful for this i pray a blessing over you that this is one of the best weeks you've had and again take care of yourself mentally emotionally physically and spiritually and we'll see you next time i felt like a millionaire
1: and you were laughing and caring the sky was pink and yellow, and I'm okay, but I heard you're gone. I just took a deep breath and stared. I'll get over you in time. I'm not. I was there by the morning light. You were a beautiful Indian queen, and I remember when I was a kid, you were always there for the loving. And then I watched you drift away. I just took a deep breath and cried. I'll get over you in time.